Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here we go, 2019. You know what that means? The goals, the New Year's resolutions, because we all want to be better. But first things first, if we don't get this right, then nothing else matters. And that means connecting with God. Pray first. We're having 21 days of prayer downtown at the loft, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m., parking on the street. And then on the weekends, it will be at Harry Hill, AKA City Life, AKA Southside Community Center on Saturday and Sundays, 7 to 8 a.m. So here's the challenge. To really prioritize, first things first. One of my favorite verses, literally my favorite verse is this. Matthew 6, 33, seek ye the kingdom first in his righteousness and all things will be added unto you. And that really speaks to the anxiety, the worries, the doubts, the frustrations we have, all these things that we want. Really, it all is found in God. So here, maybe prayer can be elusive, confusing. I want to invite you into this adventure. Prayer does not change God, it changes us. Let's change this city, let's change our friends, let's change our families, let's change ourselves for the better so that we reflect the glory of God in Lansing as it is in heaven. So what do you say? The challenge is on. 21 days of prayer with City Life. You're invited, they say 21 days, you form a habit. So let's start this year outright in a powerful, powerful way. First things first, pray first. rest of this month. Behold simply means to see or observe suddenly like a surprise how God shows up on the scene in an unlikely time in history and in an unlikely way as coming as a servant instead of displaying his power as a king. Jesus, why didn't you flex? He could have, but he didn't. He went low because he wanted to get close to what mattered most, which was people and he flipped the script completely as the real, true king. Now, one th- way to get you fired up this, this holiday is to say happy holidays. Merry Christmas! You know, especially Christians. Put the Christ in the midst, you know? And, uh, and I was thinking about, I was starting to find myself more worried about how I'd handle that interaction than whether I was accurately living that interaction. I'll explain. Happy holidays. Oh, hi. Cool. Neat. Nice to see you. Or I love you. Merry Christmas. You know, the gap, what Merry Christmas, the very thing we think we're doing is being bold for Jesus could just kind of make the person even further. Okay, I get it. My boss told me to say happy holidays. Now you're mad at me. 
Maybe they're a skeptic just waiting for God's love. And we, we want to wear that Merry Christmas statement as if that's what matters most. What matters most is Jesus. And so today I hope to even, to recalibrate us, strip it down, get to the core, get to the basics, and then decide what you, you'd want to add to whatever our rhythms or traditions are. And I think it's very important to uh, determine the why behind the what. This is behold the gift of Jesus. Behold the gift of Jesus. When Michael Jackson would come in a room, some of his fans would faint. If they met him before the show, concert, people passing out. When Jesus steps in the room, it's that much more. There's no greater passage that I think that captures the heartbeat of what the Christmas story is all about than a very familiar one that we can get a little numb to. John chapter 3, verse 16. And we're going to read through 18. I heard it. God so lo- No, no, no. Today, I pray we hear it. Like, hear it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the son of the only, in the, in the name of the only son of God. If we're going to really get this heartbeat, I think it'd be probably good to read it backwards. Because as we give the gift this season, or behold the gift of Jesus, if we aren't careful, a Merry Christmas to a Happy Holiday can feel condemning. But God doesn't condemn in his son. That doesn't stop us from rightly dividing, accurately judging. If someone needs pruning or discipline, correction, but sometimes in the boldness and the courage of the Lord, what, what we do is we create a gap with somebody that they aren't really feeling the love. When there's only one thing that will condemn them. So we got to read this backwards, I think, will be profitable for today. And when I'm saying backwards, I'm not saying God of son, only the of name. I'm saying verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. The pity that we would have on anybody who doesn't know Jesus. Not one looking down, but actually an, a pity that turns to empathy to enter in. Oh, you don't, you don't know Jesus. Oh, you don't, no, really? Say it ain't so. Yeah, I just don't. Oh. Because that person, he has not believed in the name of the son, the only son of God. That's what condemns a person. And as we get to the why, we're getting the heartbeat. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So when we have those interactions with people or even ourselves, do we feel the voice of condemnation? But the gift of Jesus is so different. But in order that the world might be saved through him and the biggest why behind the what, in business circles, maybe you've heard uh, this book, Start With Why. Simon Sinek has really coined this, but God's ultimately coined it. His why, as we go back to the origin, is so beautiful. For God so loved the world. That's the why, love. He he genuinely loves that he gave, he gives out of love. His only son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal, not just life that's easy here now, God's interested in our soul and forever life more than changing our conditions and our positions now. He doesn't always change your situation, but he can change your freedom in the situation because freedom is found from within. That's how somebody right now could be serving a life sentence and be freer than someone in this place if they know Jesus. That's real talk. And that's heavy. I remember going to Ionia Prison and speaking to level four and five inmates. And it was the first time they had a concert in there. Uh, we were going to speak and rap. And they had a riot two years prior, and they hadn't let anybody in since this. And we were the first one for level four and five inmates. And that means you're serving some significant time. And this, the guards, the correction you know, guards, they walk you through. Okay, here's what you'd do. You'd press a button and invent something. And then they tell us a story. It's like, oh, yeah, this is where this ride happened. And today's the first thing. And they're like, all right, good luck. And so the level four and five inmates all walk in. They just stare at you. And, and I remember that moment. You feel, you, you, you feel so many different emotions. And you're thinking, all right, wait. What do you say? Oh, you say what's most true. You can be more free today than some people outside there. And I know that doesn't change your situation today, but let me explain. And by the end of it, when you have people coming up and with tears in their eyes and grabbing and saying thank you and just saying, I wish I would have heard this message out there. And I wonder sometimes, though, if the message out here is so distorted because we're so focused on whatever our tradition is. But behold the gift of Jesus, for God so loved the world. There's this filter that Andy um, Stanley came up with when you sit down and meet with somebody to listen, to learn, and to lead. And as we've really marinated on it, listening and learning and leading is powerful. But I, I've recognized if I, don't, if I don't have an ingredient before that that starts with L, love, I really never really want to listen and I for sure won't want to learn. And then I won't want to lead them in the right way. So it's love, listen, learn, lead. This is how we get back to the basics, to get back to past the songs, past the food, and just simply be the why behind the what. And I think this video helps us illustrate getting back to the basics and touching some of those happy holiday bones in our body. One December night, over 2,000 years ago, a shining star illuminated a gathering of kings, shepherds, angels, and animals round a baby in a stable. T'was the nativity, and it marked the end of a journey that began on a donkey's back. Whoa, hold up there, Jeeves. Yeah, I beg your pardon? Your nativity. That's not exactly how it happened. Here, look, let's start with that donkey. Neither of the gospel stories mentions Mary traveling by donkey. And given the 60 miles of rough terrain they traveled, it's more likely they used a wagon. <laughs> Minor details. But then the innkeeper informs uh, them there's no room Again, the Bible doesn't actually mention an innkeeper. And in the Greek, the word inn refers to an upper room in a house, not an actual motel. Oh, blast. Look, wherever it was, there was no room. So, Mary and Joseph were sent to the stable. Uh, no stable. Not in the Bible either. Now you're catching on. And in those days, most animals were typically kept in a cave. A cave? Yuppers. So it could have been that instead of a stable, the Bible doesn't really say. 
And the star of Bethlehem? Duh, that's biblical. Well, we're actually right for once. It's a Christmas miracle. Okay, so now came the shepherds and the three kings. No kings. Three kings is from the song. The Bible says magi, which means wise men. Three wise men? That works. Well, not so fast. While the Bible does mention three gifts, it doesn't specify the number of wise men that brought them. You mean there could have been more? Oh yeah, a whole posse even. With a crowd like that, it's a miracle the baby Jesus never cried. What, no crying he makes? That's just a lyric from Away in a Manger, not actual scripture. <laughs> well, of course he was crying. You just added a whole crowd of strange men. Eh, yes and no. There may have been many wise men, but they weren't there that night, you see? Okay, that's enough. Except for the bloomin' star of Bethlehem, you've just dismantled the most inspiring image of Christian tradition. So what's your point? Point? Well, I guess it's this. Even when all of the man-made traditions are stripped away, the eternal truths still remain. Whether they traveled by donkey or wagon, God brought them safely to the birthplace that was prophesied. Whether born in a stable or cave, God provided shelter in a strange new land. Whether there were three kings, three wise men, or many, God called the elect to bear witness and testimony to the birth of Emmanuel. So whether your manger looks like this, or like this, the one thing that remains unchanged is this. A baby boy, born of a virgin, this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Bless you, sir. I'll never look at the miracle of December 25th the same way again. December 25th? Oh, I almost forgot. Stop that. Music! Back to the basics. Keep the main thing the main thing. I was reading um, in Genesis, and I got this new study Bible, 2,500 pages, and uh, was so excited to read all the commentary in Genesis, and I was up for the daunting task, and started to look at it, beginning to feel like a chore. I got as far as verse 1, and I didn't even get to finish the full thing. I only got to, in the beginning, God. And I felt like God checked me and said, stop. Well, I want to read all the commentary. I want to read all the study. Nah, I'm going to teach you something today. The study is profitable, absolutely. Reading crazy amount of material and speculation and debate and talking. But what I want to teach you in this moment is me. It's been going on before you. It'll go on after you. And I am forever in the beginning. God, that's the point. Oh, wow. Okay. Every class or piece of knowledge should, in Christ, lead to a greater display of love for God and people, fleshed out in a very practical, simple manner. And how we even understand Christmas or the tradition and the religiosity of it, if you will, and or people say relationship and all these nuances, let's just behold the gift of Jesus. One teacher came up with this filter I thought was so cool to 
think of holidays to say, what can I redeem? What should I reject? And then what should I absolutely just receive it as it is? Now, to redeem things, to, to, to use it in some form or fashion and make God the center of all the attention. Well, sometimes it also means Christianese it. Make it super Christian-y. Take a secular song and put a Jesus hook on it. And if some of the songs we even knew where they came from today, where, well, I don't love that new music and it's just, I got to get back to the hymns. Well, when the hymns were written, some of those were old bar tunes remade. Uh, well, I want to get back to the Hebrew and the Greek. Oh, so you want more narrative and poetic and four words and, oh, well, just tell me what to do. Well, Jesus didn't, he said, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you, which is very lofty, but he summed it all up, love God, love people, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he grabbed a band of misfits, so he was okay with doing this. And then he left it with them when they're definitely not fully qualified. Because he was okay with working through broken settings, broken people, broken situations. And we got to ask ourselves today, is the happy holidays, are we okay with pushing past that? And that's just a figurative term to say, are we going to get really close to what God loves most people? And some of the songs can get in the way, even in Christmas. I looked up some song meanings, you know, 12 Days of Christmas, the original intent of it was from the Catholic Church. The partridge in a pear tree meant that, that it was, the partridge was used as a symbol for a sacred king. It was also code for Jesus on the cross. You had the two turtle doves, the Old and the New Testament. Then you had the three French hens, the Christian trinity, the four calling birds, the four gospels in the New Testament, five golden rings, the five senses. Yeah, six geese Elaine, the six days of creation, seven swans of swimming, seven liberal arts studied in medieval universities. You had eight maids of milking, the eight beatitudes, Jesus' teaching on happiness. You want to get wrecked this week, go to Matthew chapter 5, look at some beatitudes, and we will behold in a new way. Nine ladies dancing, the nine muses from Greek mythology, 10 lords of leaping, the 10 commandments in the Bible, 11 pipers piping, 11,000 meaning a lot of people who had been martyred for the Christian faith, killed for following Jesus. 12 drummers drumming the 12 disciples of Jesus. Gives new meaning to that song, doesn't it? Santa Claus is coming to town was written in a state of mourning. James Gillespie was asked to write a Christmas song, but he was dealing with the trauma of his brother recently passing away. He said that he was on the subway reminiscing of the childhood with his brother and the warnings his mother would tell them of Santa Claus's watching eye that he immediately thought up of the lyrics and sent them to the composer the same day. Santa Claus is coming. That, you know, oh, he's going to bring me a present. Yay! But he was grieving. Jingle Bells wasn't even a Christmas song. It was originally written for Thanksgiving. Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas was a song originally written by Hugh Martin for the film Meet Me in St. Louis in which Judy Garland sings it. However, it dealt with the rather dark themes of loss and saying goodbye to family, as was the synopsis of the film. And then they turned it into a joyous and hopeful jolly carol. Let's strip the songs, let's get back to redeem what, what could we absolutely use. Even the things we sing today, they're kind of in our mind, but just getting back to, in the beginning, God. 
And then seeing how God is displayed through Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave. Not to condemn me, but that he wants to save me, save you, and then band us together that we're in this new family. White Christmas was written to remind those that had been sent off to war. It was an anthem of their families back home that they're dreaming of a white Christmas, not just snow. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was uh, written by someone who had been bullied their whole life. And Rudolph reminisced, uh, just exuded how the person felt not belonging. And that's why outcasts can feel so connected. So even the songs we got to get past. And then if you think about gifts, gift giving, when did it start? It didn't even start till the 1800s. So where are we at? What is Christmas? Well, St. Nicholas, Kris Kringle, Santa Claus was, rewind, St. Nicholas, whose parents died when he was young and inherited a bunch of money. And the, the, the kind of stories go on. He had done so many different random acts of kindness with his, for, his wealth and that the story would go on and on and on. And eventually it was in 1823, became a famous poem, and that's where started to be claimed with children and adopted during Queen Victoria's reign. And uh, it's not as much about Santa, is it? For hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, it's not about the songs. In fact, even the date, December 25th, I didn't know that originally when I was first saved. Jesus' birthday, December 25th. It's 25th. Well, the Bible's silent on the exact date. And as calendars were created later, people tried to figure out, and they're still trying to figure out. But God was okay with leaving the form of mystery. Now, there's periods where we could think, all right, it fell in this particular time. But we could start to say, well, can I not trust the Savior? Because God didn't give the details to the author. That wasn't the main point. They were making the main point the main point. You get lost in the details. You get lost in the Christmas tradition. What, what, what things do we got to buy today? We won't actually behold the real gift that's on display, the gift of Jesus. Christians showed up to a group of people that were worshiping a sun god in the winter solstice for the shortest day in the year, transitioning to more sun, and they worshiped the sun god, and Christians said, no, 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 let us now worship the son of God. Now you have December 25th, right around that range. The word Christmas, Christ Mass, a gathering of people focused on Christ. It doesn't matter the, the vehicle. It just matters getting back to Jesus. So, whoa, what am I doing trying to check a worker handing me a coffee and saying happy holidays? How can I get to the heart and just display God's love? Because it's just a guess. I think they pick up on it if they say happy holidays and we say Merry Christmas. And I'm not sure it's an invitation. <laughs> it's more like a declaration and a statement that we hope God uses. Well, I planted, I watered, God's going to make it grow. Not necessarily because it says, let your speech be seasoned with salt and gentle towards outsiders. So are we having a family talk or are we having an outsider talk? I'm not sure which one. And so, Jerome, you got to chill out. It's not Merry Christmas. Put the Christ, put Jesus just in everything. And Jesus loves, he loves, and he loves, and he loves. And Christians did the same. Tree decorating 
dating. How that started was there is another group of people that Christians came up on, and these terms would be then used, if you've ever heard the term pagan, people who are worshiping another god. Now, I don't like even labels in our culture today because that can create stereotype, and then we think, oh, us and them. Now, there's a healthy, what are we responsible for? If you're a Jesus follower today, you, you, look, we're accountable differently. Where does God come first to judge? The church. <laughs> Whoa, convicting. This is played out over and over again. First remove your own log and then help them with their speck. That's marriage. <laughs> it's marriage. But, but if I didn't pray that day, it's a log and I got a speck. It's, it's funny. Sometimes if we get in a, uh, a tiff and I'll go, to, I'll go pray and I'm, I come back. Hey, babe. She's like, oh, you just prayed, huh? I can tell. <laughs> And someone's thinking about missing 21 days of prayer this, this, you know, in January. I don't know if I can do it. Hey, try to divide and conquer. Work smarter, not harder. Let's do this, you know. Um, and let's do this together. But one of the themes for, the, for this group of people that they came up on that were, you know, pagans, if you will, but really they were people. They were worshiping trees and the God of Thor. And so Christians said, oh, God of Thor has got no power. Watch, I'm going to cut down this tree. If a tree falls, wow, we're serving the God of Jesus now. And so that's how trees then home decorated. And so we redeemed some of these things, changed them for their original design so that we could point to Jesus and use them as really evangelism tools to, to get to the heart of people. I love the idea of that the heart of God to reach people that he'll do, any, he'll do anything short of sin. Doesn't matter how people saw Jesus, he got close anyways. He never sinned though. And he wasn't there affirming sin, but he wasn't condemning and it invited people in that now he had a voice. So we redeem things. So if you have an elf, sure, we redeem it. Tree, sure, we redeem it. Um, if you don't want to, that's fine. Food, sure. Grace before the meal, sure. What, what is your, but, but sometimes we're looking so far back, we forget to own the moment now, and we don't look forward to what is and what could be. Here. They took elements of culture then and used it for God's glory. I wonder what we're doing now that we're scared of that we won't use for God's glory, and some group of people are going to come along and say, no, nah, I'm going to use that. I'm going to take that tree. Let's go. Let's point this to Jesus. And then 200 years from now, we'll be, you know, singing song or doing tradition because we were so scared to innovate in the moment to really let behold the gift of Jesus in the present situation because the gift of Jesus is worth getting messy. I've, I've seen there's less boundaries now than I ever thought. God loves people. And you won't know that from theory unless you get close to people. Brad Leach, my pastor, he said, out of all of seminary, your theology gets tested when you're just present with people. He goes, it, it's one thing to know it, but then when you're present with someone going through something, okay, how is this applied now? That's where it becomes powerful. There are some things, though, in our culture we have to, uh, for the second filter, so number one, we were just talking about redeeming songs, understanding them, even food or tradition, thematic gifts, you name it. But two, there is some things we need to just reject. That's evil. 
Heisman pose, Desmond Howard, punt return against the buck. I just, you know, just boom. You got to reject some things that are evil, okay? Uh, satanic worship, reject that. It's evil. If someone says worship a tree, reject that, right? If someone says that you need to then take Jesus out of your personal rhythm so that you can be a part of a holiday, reject that. <laughs> reject those things, Reject any other God that tries to make way, but also reject this tradition that's more important than Jesus, the mission. Reject it. Let's not be married to the method. One of the biggest things that's irked me, can I just get on a soapbox real quick? Okay, boom, just I'm on it. Is when people say, um, yeah, I really don't like hip hop culture. And I say, oh, okay, cool. And they don't mean anything by it because I've said the same thing. I don't like country music. Sorry, country. I love you. I'm, look, I'm guilty, and then you're probably guilty too, okay? So let's, let's do this. We're in the same. Because hip-hop culture is people. And I think Paul would have said, oh, hip-hop, country? Yeah, I become all things to all men that I might win them over. I don't care. What song? What? What do you eat? I don't care. What? 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 Oh, but I like it this way. Come on. Who's done with that? Me. So we're going to a place where we just want Jesus. I love when, uh, yeah, everything's on the table. The reason we still love gathering on a Sunday, we love, this is the best means that we've found to do this together. A lot of us for an on-ramp. Because we want to go together. Reject tradition more than Jesus, and then also reject putting Jesus in a box that he didn't put himself in. And then three, there's some things that we can receive, and this is really fun, and we're going to kind of get ready to close, and we're going to worship and hopefully apply this and go out and eat some cookies that the team made. They're, they're incredible. There's Brother Jorge. Brother Jorge is going to be leading the team on Christmas Day, 10 a.m., for anybody who remembers that. Yeah, Jorge. And I love it because Jorge, he got messy real quick. He reached out and said, are we doing that Love the City thing again? And then Marissa texted me and said, um, Jorge wants to know if we're doing the love the city thing. I, I don't. I, I think we're we're doing too much right now, so we're probably not doing. It. I said no. Text him back. He he, he he's he's gonna run it, and everyone and uh, and we'll give him the card, and he'll get all the love the city bags. And then she texted me back and said, Jorge's doing it. Everyone's gonna meet in the parking lot at ten in the morning, right? So that's the kind of church we got. We don't want to overplan love sometimes. Systematic yet organic. Yeah, come on, Jorge. Oh. Uh. Na 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 na. You can redeem that, see? Master P. <laughs> yes. It's so good. Yeah. Someone's going to read a different Bible translation this year just to kind of get some new thoughts. It's going to be fun. Three. Uh, receive. We filter everything through receiving God and also receiving his people. The gift of Jesus, it saves. It does. That has to be our posture. That God can save and he wants to save. A safe, a safe play doesn't look, look at somebody at that moment and say, oh, you know, if you would have only listened a lot earlier, you wouldn't be here. But if you repent, and it, you know, and just, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it, instead of just getting really close. 
I'm going to tell a story in the Christmas Eve thing. Uh, the video is going to come out, but how I got to visit somebody in hospice, 6'4", 75 pounds, their last few days of life, and, and I was kind of running through the thing because I want to make sure they're saved. Okay, are you, come here, look at me. Are you still awake? What's, you know? And I felt God say, just get closer. Okay, how close? I get really close. Oh, my goodness. You know, I just met this guy. I don't want to think he's weird. So I just got really close, and he just, he just held me. I was like, dang, okay. I get it. We didn't say much. We didn't talk about much. He did say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and I think that probably applies to more situations when I want to say Merry Christmas or run them through my play. The gift of Jesus saves, too. The gift of Jesus is for everyone. That changes our posture if we genuinely believe it's for everyone. Everyone, every person, every person, every person can come home. Number three, the gift of Jesus never runs out, just keeps on giving. And what's beautiful about this is you and me, we don't have to be the gift giver. We're just the messenger. So when they reject you, it's okay. It's, we're the messenger. But how we give the gift, I, I hope it represents Jesus, and this is something I'm challenged in. I'm challenged in. Um, number four, the gift of Jesus is present, is the present of his presence. So what's, what's the present we could unwrap? Every one of us. What'd you get? What'd you get? Oh, the presence of God. One year on Christmas, I don't know if you remember this, Tori, when we gave, we had all these little boxes and we had a mirror in them like Kung Fu Panda, right? And that everyone looked at, we've got a gift for all of you. And it was a little mirror. And it was like, because God wants to spend time with you. I was like, oh, okay. Where's the cookies? No, I'm kidding. No, people loved it. They loved it because the presence. This is Emmanuel, Matthew 1. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with me. Isn't that how we want it to be? God's with me. He's with my type of people, my crowd. No, God with us. I was listening to a book, Ragamuffin Gospel, and has a chapter in it. When's the last time you prayed for somebody in a third world country and you wept? For somebody you don't even see and just zoomed out and felt the heart of God. And then he goes on to say that he prayed and then wept, not because he was thinking about the people overseas, but because he was thinking that he wasn't thinking about the people overseas and what's wrong with me and what kind of heart. And I paused and I said, okay, that's good. That's good. Because sometimes we can do the good things with wrong intentions. And the chapter then went on to say that that could be the worst of sins. To just kind of run the play to just run the play and then be like, I'm out when God wants to give his presence for us, not just me. So we're trying to get as many people to be able to come, to go, and that's the beauty of dying to self. And this is what it means to pick up your cross daily. Say, I'm just, I'm losing it all for Jesus every day. Well, do you have to pick up your cross? No, we get to. We've, we were lost and we're found. We're bond servants. We were dead, we're made alive. We know that we're, 
at, we're, we're, at, we're in the body, so we're absent from the Lord, but we want more people that once we die, we're going to be present with him face to face because five, the gift of Jesus is forever. And this is what Jesus leaves us with. This is the gift. This is the gift, guys. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, teaching them to observe all that have commanded you. So learning, critical, imperative, but applying it in power because knowledge is not power. Knowledge when applied is power. I remember hearing that. I remember thinking, knowledge is power. Knowledge ain't power. There's a bunch of people who know a lot of stuff that do nothing. In fact, the older we get, the more we know and the less we do. Let's get a heart like a child and know that we're so low and we just want to be like, God, teach us, teach us, teach us, lead us. And then we have that posture of humility and that's signing up for daily. And how do we do that? Because we behold the gift of Jesus. He displayed that. He's our great Lord. Why do we think we're above him? We don't want it his way. We'll take him to be saved, but the Lord's stuff's hard. Man, the Lord's stuff is worth it. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the promise that God in Isaiah, the fulfillment, he's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. When you look at Jesus, Jesus means savior. But you look at some of the qualities and nicknames of him. It is wonderful counselor. He can counsel you. I know we want people to counsel us, but he can counsel you better than any person. Sometimes it's just be still and ask him and be careful what he'll say. I've tried to out-negotiate God sometimes. No, God, I want to struggle with that a little bit longer. I'm trying to heal you today. No, because I like being hurt. Sometimes we like being hurt. Jesus wants to heal, not just always physically. He wants to heal deep emotional wounds in us. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God, everlasting father, and he's the prince of peace. And here's how the power of God displayed today hits us in our face. It's through Linus. Check this video out. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. He's about to rip a sermon. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I am... Um... I'll, I'll admit, I'm not a huge Charlie Brown guy, so I can't elaborate on all of, all of it because Nintendo came out and Mario was a lot cooler, right? And when you look at the drawings, because drawings, I think you're supposed to draw, you know, they look like they drew every seventh image, you know, the way the mouse moves and stuff. So I want to just rip down that wall and barrier to, to, that no one misses this point. You don't have to like Charlie Brown to see the point. Linus, the character, is afraid and always holds on to something. What'd he drop? He dropped his blanket when he said, fear not. 
when the angel said, fear not, because before God, there is fear. But when the angel steps in, says, fear not, Jesus is here, that's the gift. The gift of Jesus in this Christmas season. One, I hope that if you don't know him, that today, today would be your day. Receive the gift. You can't buy this one. You can't buy it. Can't muster up enough dollars or strength, clothing, title, business accomplishments. Nothing you can buy from God that will get you in. But simply receiving what he's already given. Jesus, so good. How does that happen? You just say, man, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. You already knew that. I'm going to sin today, tomorrow, wherever. But God, will you start changing my heart and make it brand new today? What will happen is you'll start being convicted. You won't feel condemned. You'll you'll then, for the things that you used to kind of partake in, you'll now want to serve him differently. It'll be so good. And he offers new life because he saves in an instance. That's how good he is. But I think there's a second crowd here too. One that says, oh, I'm sick of playing Christmas, but without Jesus. Even if we think he's involved, he's not maybe everything. Maybe this is the year we just slow down a little bit more. And remember the why behind the what, before the what. If we're making food, remember, God, thank you. You're better than life. You're better than food. To, to wrestle and repent with maybe some of our traditions or our methods have gotten in the way from reaching people. To behold the gift of Jesus. That's the Christmas, Christmas message. It never gets old. It'll never be played out as things and traditions will change. It'll be interesting to see how this thing evolves, right? Because now it's happy holidays. I don't know where it'll evolve to. But I wonder what side of history we'll be on. So if this is the side of history, I think about this often. If they had to write about us, what would they write about us? Man, the Christians, they just were, they, they were so, uh, so conservative with their method. They wouldn't evolve with people saying holidays. And then they cre- this one group of people created a creative way to start reaching people for Jesus. But I wonder what side of history we'd be on. I want to think riskier when it comes to people. But, but ultra conservative in my view of God, but very liberal in my view of loving people. How do you do both? Look at Jesus. So that's the message as we close. We're going to sing fall on our knees because there's only one way to behold the gift of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, God. If we can pay our bills or we can't, we can get a lot of gifts for our kids or we can't, who cares? Give them the greatest gift of all time, the love of Jesus. Let us sing. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.